Time for seafood news. Hello, seafood friends. You're listening to the Seafood News Podcast. I'm Seafood News Managing Editor Amanda Buckle. And I'm Seafood Market Reporter Lauren Castiglione. This episode is brought to you by Erner Barry's Reporter. The winter issue will be getting sent out this December, but there is still time to advertise. Call 732-240-5330 or email advertise at earnerberry.com to learn more. In our top story, a number of states are pulling back on indoor dining. That's right, Lauren. So back in March, when cases of COVID-19 first began to spread in the U.S., many states went into lockdown, shutting down non-essential businesses and indoor dining in an effort to contain the virus. Now, with cases rising again, some states are once again prohibiting indoor dining, which... Dun, dun, dun. I know. I mean, New Jersey, we keep, uh, I mean, maybe by the time this gets published, we, yeah. might, we might be on this list. It's but. looking to head in that direction. Um, so the ban on indoor dining varies by county in California. For example, Los Angeles, San Diego, and Napa County restaurants are only allowed outdoor seating with modifications. But Amador County restaurants can offer indoor dining at 25% capacity or 100 people, whichever is fewer. Colorado, Pennsylvania, and Illinois are in similar situations. In Colorado, a total of 15 counties are prohibited from allowing indoor dining. In Pennsylvania, the mayor of Philly put a ban on indoor dining. In Illinois, Chicago and the city's surrounding suburbs are affected. Uh, But outdoor dining, including tents, is still allowed with some restrictions. Other states have completely banned indoor dining. In Michigan, the ban on indoor dining began on November 18th and is set to last three weeks. Washington's ban also started on November 18th and is set to last until December 14th. In Kentucky, the ban went into effect on November 20th and is in place until December 13th. Uh, If you want to check more out, Seafood News is running an article on current restaurant restrictions and capacity by state. It's being updated regularly, so be sure to check that out. And since we are talking about dining closures, a new study released by Nielsen reveals that consumers are ready to get back out there. So (laughs) perfect timing, no? (laughs) I don't think so. So Nielsen conducted their study in October and found that 53% of Americans polled believe that life is starting to normalize. These participants are more likely to resume normal activities, restrictions permitting, because they feel confident about avoiding risk and staying safe when they leave their homes. And this includes dining out. So I will say... In like when they started this study, I probably would have been one of the people saying I am getting more comfortable. I haven't dined out yet, but I was thinking about joining, you know, (laughs) I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it. (laughs) I was thinking that sounds nice. But but. then, you know, we started hearing cases rise and I was like, okay, I'll hold up. And then restrictions are getting put back in place. So I'm like, okay, definitely not. So, yeah. You know, no, I mean, we've we've had this conversation in the office. I, I mean, I asked you guys because uh, my husband and I got into a heated argument about it because I said, uh, you know, we have our anniversary dinner tonight. Mm-hmm. And I said, I would like to, you know, sit outdoors. My husband said it is 55 degrees <laughs> high today. You right. know, like it's you know, you can't sit outdoors. And then we got into the debate about whether, you know, in a tent is any safer than indoors. And my husband works in the restaurant industry. So, uh, you know, he obviously feels very passionate about this. But you know, it's, you know, I, I do think in October I was, you know, I get, they're calling it like the coronavirus fatigue or right, you know, pandemic right. fatigue. And, you know, I was feeling like that. But when you're reading all these things online about the cases increasing, um, you know, I, you know, definitely get hesitant again. But so far, I still have my reservations. So wish me luck. 
Good luck. <laughs> and I'll see you in two weeks back at the office. <laughs> yeah, so ho- hopefully those people that were pulled by Nielsen live outside one of the states we were just talking about. But uh, we'll see how things turn out. But uh, let's switch over to retail. So Ernaberry Mark reporter Janice Schreiber is reporting that the number of salmon promotions at retail is on pace with 2019. According to Janice, the farm salmon market out of Chile is seeing supplies adequate to even barely adequate. The market did see a 10 cent uptick on all sizes of fresh Atlantic Chilean salmon fillets at the back end of the week. Most market participants are reporting that current supplies are falling short of buyers' needs. So some reasoning behind the barely adequate supplies from some of the Chilean importers varies. Uh, A few market participants have mentioned that COVID cases are rising in the country and adjustments have had to be made to production schedules in order to accommodate precautionary measures. Um, As of this recording, Chile has over 530,000 confirmed COVID cases. Uh, Others have cited contract commitments that have taken precedence. However, when looking at the overall landscape of the farm salmon market, not all segments saw upticks. The Northeast and West Coast Canadian markets saw 10 to 12 and smaller whole fish adjust lower throughout the past two weeks. For example, 8 to 10 pound whole fish out of the West Coast of Canada is 21% lower than where they were at the end of October. In looking more closely at the farm salmon index, last week is 25% lower than the three-year average. In other news, the market for tilapia frozen fillets from China has, for the most part, fared extremely well despite new obstacles to overcome in the uncharted territory of navigating through a pandemic this year. Largely due to its value and availability, retail sales skyrocketed as demand has remained moderate to active. As 2020 comes to a close, however, there are a few factors putting opposing pressure on the market, creating some uncertainty looking ahead into 2021. So the upwards pressure on the market points to the swift rise of ocean freight. According to the Shanghai Containerized Freight Index, the East Coast saw an increase in spot rates of 68%, while the West Coast jumped 124% since May of 2020. Additionally, raw material supply is constrained as the industry enters the busiest time of the year for the overseas plants. With an average eight-month growth cycle, the conservative approach taken to plant fingerlings earlier this year, when there was a lot more uncertainty surrounding the virus, is now being felt within the marketplace. The tighter supply has caused the cost of raw materials to increase. And more recently, with China claiming to find traces of the novel coronavirus on imported seafood, the government has made efforts to promote domestic products, which will divert even more raw materials away from the U.S. market. And because of the longer lead times on inspections of products coming into the country, the U.S. is also seeing issues with cold storage availability. So all of these factors, including continued pressure from the tariffs, have firmed tilapia prices overseas. However, U.S. wholesale prices have not made the shift yet. The new higher price product is still in transit and will be arriving in coming weeks. Um, So on the other hand, uncertainty surrounding COVID-19 and the market continues to weigh heavy as the U.S. falls under tighter restrictions leading into the holiday season. So a second lockdown has the potential to negate some of the upwards pressure mentioned um, above on the market. Okay. So we will see. (laughs) And uh, I know you mentioned uh, China finding traces of coronavirus on imported seafood. So uh, this past week, um, the Chinese city of Lanzhou reported that they detected the coronavirus on packaging from a batch of shrimp imported from Saudi Arabia. You know, despite we've, we've reported on this a couple of times, the World Health Organi- Organization says that there is currently no evidence that you can catch COVID-19 from food or food packaging. Um I don't know how many times this has to be reported, but China is still like, we don't yep. care. <laughs> 
So they've been temporarily ban- banning imports from companies whose products test positive. So the first offense results in a one-week import ban. Uh, you know, so after seven days, you know, it's you know you're just back in. But companies that have products that test positive three times or more can end up getting suspended for a month. So the Saudi Aquaculture Society spoke out following the report, saying that the industry has been following strict measures to limit the spread of COVID-19. The group said that while there is absolutely no scientific evidence supporting that COVID-19 can be transmitted through food products, local aquaculture producers regularly send samples to the Saudi Food and Drug Authorities for testing in order to ensure the safety of the personnel handling the products after processing and packaging. Thanks, Lauren. Uh, Now, before we go, I would like to take a few minutes to talk about Stephen Thompson. Uh, Last week, we found out that the seafood industry had lost a valuable and beloved member of its community. Stephen was the director of quality assurance for Harbor Seafood. He passed away peacefully on November 15th at St. Luke's Hospital with his family by his side. He was 67 uh, years young. Uh, I I know you actually had the pleasure of meeting him, too. I, Mm -hmm. I met Stephen three years ago at the NFI political conference. It was the first event that I got to go to outside, you know, after I got hired by Erna Berry. And, and Stephen was one of the first people in the industry I had the chance to meet and talk to. And and those first industry friends that kind of take you under their wing, <sighs> yeah. like they stick with you. Mm-hmm. And so this I, I can imagine how much of a loss this is not only for everybody in the industry, but for you specifically. I know you had a good a good relationship with yeah, him. You just thought that mustache, man. Right. You could spot that mustache <laughs> across the room. It but was great. I, and I, I know so many people, I, you know, I would love to hear stories about about him. But uh, he was so patient and kind and explaining things to me. And I'm sure so many people can say that. And, uh, you know, I always look forward to seeing him at GSMCM, the Boston Seafood Show. And it was, you know, it was like meeting up with an old friend. You right. know, like I met him at this one political conference. And then after that, it was just, you know, he, I would love hearing him talk about his grandkids and the trouble his, you know, crazy golden retrievers <laughs> would get yeah. into. Um, he was just, you know, a, a joy to be around. And um, NFI President John Connolly said that the Seaview community has lost a technical giant and a brilliant smile. Um, like we said, that that mustache. But we want to just extend our condolences to Stephen's family and friends. Stephen, you will be sorely missed. Yes, he will be. <laughs>